0: welcome to the original and the best power hour with alex burr and dylan hughes members and podcast
1: of the running hook podcast hello and welcome to another edition of the running hooks basketball power hour i am alex burr joined once again by my great friend dylan hughes um J.D. is out once again this week with some personal stuff, but I have thoughts from him about our three teams. J.D. will not be unrepresented on this episode, and when he is back, I'm sure he will have more, even more thoughts to elaborate on. But first, Dylan, in the longstanding tradition of throwing a curveball, when you expect a fastball, Jeff Brom went back to Louisville. Scale of one to ten. How heartbroken were you when you heard the news? Well,
0: it felt kind of expected because his name has been thrown around the rumor mill for years now. And it's just kind of become tradition in college sports in general for a coach to build up a program that's maybe not, you know, top tier. And then go to a program they think is top tier, or they just think is some sort of upgrade in some way. I wouldn't say Louisville is ever an upgrade from anything, in whether it's college or not. Uh, so, not really sure what he's thinking there, but it was it was kind of expected. Uh, this new guy they got from Illinois, I think, is going to be a solid, solid coach. You know, so I, I think it's fine. Um, my heart is more invested in Purdue basketball right now anyway. So whatever,
1: what would you do if Matt Painter left?
0: If Matt Painter left, then I am not even comfortable saying what I would do because it would be horrible.
1: Would it be, how many States would it be illegal in? 50. Okay.
0: Listen, Matt Painter, we need to start having a discussion. Okay. This is the second year in a row where Matt Painter has gotten this team to number one in the country. And, yes, I know they never go that far in the tournament. Like, they never get past the Sweet 16. But this team is competing with some major powerhouses, okay? For some reason, uh, the dumb kids of Indiana still think that IU is an elite program, so they lose a lot of talent to them. They lose a lot of talent to Ohio State to Michigan, to Michigan state. I mean, the big 10 has the big 10 is, is the best college basketball. It's got the best collection of college basketball teams, like on a consistent basis. I mean, big 10 teams are almost always ranked. You've got like three, four five teams ranked every single year. They're always doing well in the tournament and Purdue has to compete with that. And, Purdue is never getting five-star guys. They're always getting – they're getting good players, but they're having to scout local names that a lot of people don't know. And, I mean, you know, he turned Jay Nivey into a top-ten pick. Zach Eady, okay, Zach Eady last year sucked. He was, he was tall. Zach Eadie was tall last year, so he was good in that way. The turnaround he's had this year where his touch is just on another level. His passing is on another level. I mean, he is now a monster. And he's a guy, like, from an NBA perspective where he went from maybe being like an early second-round pick to top 20 type of guy. I mean, he is just really improved. And it's helped Purdue become the number one team again. And Matt Painter, telling you, top three coach in college basketball, no doubt.
1: And there's still that picture where Victor Wem makes Zach Edy look small. Um, or it actually might be the other way around. Um, it's one or the other, but you brought up Purdue recruiting Indiana. I just did a quick perusal of the roster. I think nine of the 14 guys are from Indiana. Yep. You gotta, you gotta get your backyard. I think kids in the state know if I want to win in the state, I got to go to Purdue. Um,
0: the smart kids. Yes. The smart ones, the, the dumb ones go to IU and there may be someone that's like, yeah, maybe Butler will be good again. I don't know. And they'll end up at Butler and then they'll transfer two years later. But you know, the smart ones go to Purdue.
1: Shout out to uh, Brandon Newman. Who's from Valpo, the town over from my hometown. Um, no other reason, even though I don't particularly care for Valpo myself, I gotta show the, the region some love. And last year Purdue was full of region guys. Um we, we weren't talking about Purdue basketball though, as much as I, I would love to, even though I haven't <laughs> watched a second of Purdue basketball. Somehow Purdue losing Jeff Brom turned into this. Um you are an incredible spin master, Dylan Hughes. You should really consider a career in PR. Um, we do have to talk about injuries an unfortunate part of the game. Should we start with the good news or should we start with the bad news? You
0: always got to start with the bad news.
1: Yeah, I guess start on the sour note and with the good one, right? So um, Steph Curry injured his has suffered an injury against the Pacers on Wednesday night. Um, It was a wild game, but he hurt. Forgive me for not having this immediately pulled up, but Golden State Warriors. Um, so Steph Curry, he hurt his shoulder. Forgive me. Um, he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Dylan, that means there will be no Steph Curry on Christmas. Um, Wiggins has missed some time. Draymond's day-to-day. Iggy hasn't even played this year. Dylan, I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors um Slid to the plate. I mean, right now I think they're in the play-in. So let me check the pull up the standings because I haven't checked them today. So right now the Warriors are tenth. They're fourteen and fifteen. Minnesota's thirteen and fifteen. Um, the Lakers are eleven and sixteen. The Thunder are eleven and seventeen. I would not be surprised if the Wolves pass the Warriors. I think this. I think this is going to spell a losing streak. <laughs> For the Warriors, because we know how important Curry is to them. Dylan, am I crazy here?
0: <laughs> no, I mean, you know, when you lose Steph Curry, bad things tend to happen. It's not not a crazy thing to say, you know. And Minnesota is, gosh, Minnesota still. I don't, I don't get them. We've talked about them the past month and. Every time I watch them, I just don't feel like they're a bad team, but they lose games a lot. (laughs) I mean, they are on a three-game losing streak. They're two games under 500. And luckily for them, every team below them is is horrible. So they're basically at the bottom here. But it's weird. And Golden State, yeah, they've they've struggled lately. They've had some injuries. And losing Steph – not going to help that. So I definitely wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Minnesota's only a half game behind right now. So I think... And by the way, the Kings, gosh. I haven't watched the Kings. The Kings being above some of these teams in the standings is amazing to see. And they're nipping at the Clippers' feet here too, even though the Clippers are finally healthy and getting kind of hot.
1: The West isn't particularly great, I, I think other than the third seed, I don't think really any of them are great. Um, I think the Warriors could be, but you, you were with us when we did the Warriors. It was me and you for Warriors week, right? I think you and I talked about the Warriors. Or was that a JD week? Was that when JD was back? don't remember, honestly. Well, I think missing Steph, and if Wiggins misses extended time too where's the scoring going to come from? <laughs> like Jordan Poole's been mad to say the least this year. I, I feel like Kuminga has been disappointing. Kuminga has been, has taken a step up in Wiggins's absence. That being said, I don't trust him and it's clear the Warriors don't either. Wiseman was recalled from Santa Clara today. But Dylan, I don't know if you've been. I know you probably haven't been monitoring seeing um, Wiseman's G League stats. Just okay. What do you think Wiseman should be averaging in the G League? I mean,
0: he should probably be averaging at least like fifteen and ten.
1: Well, okay, at the very like. Yes, he should be. What should? What do you think he should be averaging as the second overall pick? Physically dominant. Like that kind of pedigree, what do you think he should be averaging? We've seen what guys who are clearly overmatching the G League, what do you think they should be averaging down there?
0: I mean, he probably should be putting up 25.
1: Yes. Night. You were closer with your first one. He is averaging 16.5 and seven.
0: Yeah, that that's like it. That's the bare minimum for what someone like him should be doing.
1: Yes. It's it's leak in golden state right now. And I think two weeks, right? So let's just say Curry misses two weeks. I'm going to pull up the warrior schedule real quick. So what two weeks is probably five games, right? So tomorrow they're at Philadelphia. That's definitely a loss, right? Yeah. This is an East coast pro trip. Goodness. I feel bad for these fans who thought they were going to see Curry. <laughs> um, um, so they're at Philly. we you said that's a loss. They're at Toronto. I think we agree it's probably a loss at New York, the way New York's been playing combined with Curry and Wiggins missing. I think that's probably a loss at Brooklyn, the way Katie and Simmons have been playing. I think that's a loss. Notice I didn't name the one guy. Um, He has not been playing that great since he's come back Christmas day. They're at home against the Grizzlies. I think if Jaws healthy, there's no way the Grizzlies should lose that. So that's a five game losing streak right there. Actually, that's a six game losing streak because you lost to the Pacers. <laughs> and then you have a gimme against the Hornets. Still, Dylan, one in six. And there's a chance we're doing twenty. To- there's a chance we're doing twenty twenty one all over again. If you remember that wonderful season where Curry had to lift them to the finish line. <laughs> I, I just. Oh, God. I mean, it's great seeing Curry with his back against the wall. I I don't know if you'll agree with this or not. I thought one of the reasons why they were so well positioned to win the championship last year is because he didn't have to do that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, last year was they were a special group last year and this team does not have the youth it needs because Draymond, we know we've seen it coming for years. He's just not not that guy anymore. And obviously he still has a lot of value in certain ways, but he needs to play with Steph and clay, you know, without both of those guys, he's just not nearly as beneficial. He's not a guy. He's not a ceiling razor. He's a floor raiser. And right now they kind of need a ceiling razor. And I guess that guy should be Jordan Poole, kind of just stepping in and being awesome. Like he was last year. But as you said, maybe not the best thing to expect and these high draft picks they've had the past few years have just not been that awesome and this brings me back to the whole Duarte versus Moody thing uh I'll never let it go there's a reason that the Warriors wanted Duarte and it's because he is a guy that could step in and maybe raise your ceiling a little bit and of course he's hurt right now but
1: I was going to say, he'd help them as much as Curry is helping them right now. Yeah, but <laughs> if he helped the helped
0: universe, he probably wouldn't be hurt if he was on the Warriors, okay? So, you know, there's a reason why good teams want certain players. It's because they're good, and they can help now. And it turns out Moody is not necessarily one of those guys right now. Wiseman isn't. Kaminga still probably is the, has the best shot at those three, but he's still pretty raw in certain areas, so... Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them and as you were saying, the West isn't awesome this year, so I I think in the long run they still have a pretty good chance of coming back. I mean, we're still very early in the season right now, so you know, it's not a long-term concern necessarily, but I don't know. I I'm interested to see what happens with this team in the playoffs.
1: We're early in the season, Dylan, but it's already almost halfway done. It's like 40% of the way done at this point. We're already at the 30 game mark for some of these teams. I actually don't think any looking at the schedule. I don't think, well, Utah's played 30. Um, The Clippers have played 30. But other than that, I don't think anyone else. Yeah, no one else has played 30 looking at it. But today's also the unofficial, you know, start of trade season. No one's actually made a trade yet. If when that happens, um, we'll let you know, we'll be the first to let you know, not the first probably, but we'll we'll certainly let you know. Um, it's at a certain point, you know, these games, you can't count on these games anymore, like, oh, you know, we'll make them up at some point. We'll make them up at some point. No. <laughs> these games matter now. Like especially you're under 500 now. You're under 500 in a conference where Sacramento's 15 and 12. When's the last time Sacramento was 15 and 12? When's the last time like New Orleans was 18 and nine? Honestly, I don't think New Orleans has ever been 18 and nine, you know, looking at the conference, I'm not saying they're worse than all those teams. Cause I think they're better than all those teams, but you can't afford, right? Like Dylan, you know how I felt about the Clippers last year. You know how I kept saying, Oh, if Kawhi comes back they're you know, they're going to win. They're going to win. We never saw Kawhi get a chance because they were knocked out of the play-in. And fair or unfair, I think that's the beauty of the play-in. You know, and we saw New Orleans is riding that momentum now. I don't think New Orleans is in this spot if there's no play-in last year. I really don't. So I I I think Golden State, you can't control injuries. Obviously, this isn't 2K, but I I think they need to to take things seriously. Um, speaking of a team that needs to take things seriously the Detroit Pistons need to take their tanks very seriously. Now they need to take getting Victor Webb and Yama very seriously because Kate Cunningham, we kind of knew this was going to happen. He's going, uh, he's undergoing season ending shin surgery and he will miss. Well, he's going to miss the rest of the year. Um, This is going to open up playing time. Well, not playing time. He was starting it next to kid, but this is going to open up like ball handling opportunities for your guy. Jaden Ivy. This is going to open up opportunities for killian hayes dylan i mean this is just terrible news out of detroit though to like i i thought they could have been a play-in team before the year and now they might win 15 games
0: yeah it's it's depressing for sure i mean they kind of quickly became a team that was really interesting not just from a fun standpoint from but from actually a competitive standpoint And that Bogdanovich trade was kind of a signal like, hey, man, they actually may want to win, start winning some games, and start turning these young guys into winning players. And, you know, taking Kate out really dampens that hope for this year. And, you know, it'll make definitely make watching Ivy and Hayes a lot more interesting. And those guys – Hayes is really turning into a really interesting guy. I think he's – Turning into a guy that we kind of hoped he would become. And obviously Ivy is, you know, from a completely non biased standpoint, a really, really fun player to watch. And I'm excited to see what those guys can do, but definitely losing Cade really, really sucks.
1: No bias from Dylan Hughes at all. Um in all seriousness. I wanted to see them get more chemistry together because we haven't done the Pistons yet. You know, like the our bad team carousel hasn't taken them or taken us around to the Pistons or the magic or the Spurs. I think those are our worst three teams we haven't done yet. Um, I wanted to see those guys get chemistry together and it kind of sucks that that's not going to happen, but it's going to be good for Ivy. Hayes is going to probably get a chance to be, you know, like just free or somewhere. And he's taking this opportunity and running with it. I don't think he's going to get the same opportunity with Cade back, and especially if they have Wen Benyama next year, because <laughs> Wen Benyama likes to shoot it a lot. <laughs> His usage is going to probably be in the 30s as a rookie, which is saying something. Um, but this will be good for their ping pong balls. Underratedly, the Pistons have been tanking longer than anyone in the NBA. I know they were not trying to this year but they have I feel like I need to mention that ever since everyone including my my co-host on this episode has is rails on the Oklahoma City Thunder I feel obligated to mention <laughs> that the Pistons have been worse for much longer and by much longer I mean since the 1920 season but at least the Pistons are trying they're they're not trying to be this bad they they're just this bad by accident do you do you have any rebuttals? Because I did kind of take a cheap shot at you there on the way out.
0: Well, I'll say that the Pistons are not trying to be bad, as you said. The Thunder—they're just really bad at winning, you know, and that's respectable at least. But the oh. Thunder, the Thunder, intentionally being bad, despite having one of the most fun players in the league—that—that's where I take offense.
1: Hey, the Thunder are kind of—they're. The Thunder are a half game behind the Goat this year. <laughs> Goat in air quotes, but yes, they're eleven and seventeen right now. So they are a half game worse than Kristaps Porzingis, the Goat, as <laughs> as one might say. So I just feel obligated to mention that because every time someone, and this isn't just at you now, this is at a lot of people. It just it kind of. It boggles the mind that OKC gets lumped in with the Sixers. And I don't think OKC or Detroit is anywhere near as bad as the process. (laughs) It's just not. The process went on for what, four years? Mm -hmm. And yes, this is year four of Detroit's tank. Go look at the 1920 Pistons. That was, go look at like the end of the roster. End of the year roster, when going into like the shutdown, I think their most promising prospect was Seku Demboya, who I don't think is in the league this year. <laughs> it was really bleak and depressing. Oklahoma City turned like Dylan. You remember this? They made the second round, or they almost made the second round. They were this close to making the second round in 2020, mm-hmm. and then they blew it up. I mean, Poku, <laughs> Poku was the first pick of this rebuild. <laughs> if you remember that so I I kind of just object to that talking about them like they're the process like this is as, as egregious as the process That that's my only gripe with this um, I'll save our other injury for the team segment because it is Maxi Kleba but we can talk about him with the Mavericks so Dylan are you ready to talk about the Washington Wizards as ready as I'll ever be <laughs> the most exciting team in the NBA right now, they are currently on an eight-game losing streak. <laughs> they are 11 and 18, good for 12th in the Eastern Conference. I'm changing the format for the the last however many games. I'm just going to do the last five games. It's easier. Um, I should have been doing this the whole time. I don't know why I didn't. The last five games for the Wizards. They lost to the Pacers 121 to 111. Actually, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> lost to the Bulls 115 to 111. Lost to the Pacers 121 to 111. Lost to the Clippers 114 to 107. Lost to the Nets 112 to 100. Then lost to the Nuggets 141 to 128. Chris Snaps has missed the last couple of games. I don't think I saw Brad Beale this whole week. In fact, Brad Beale has played. Let's see how many games has Brad Beal played? He's only played 18 games. Only. So, Dylan, what was your biggest takeaway? watching this Wizards team?
0: Well, without Beal and Chris Tapps, there's not a ton to say. I do like a lot of these players still. And we said the same thing last year. The players that we liked last year, we still like, I mean, Kispert has looked better. You know, Obdia has looked better in some ways. They got our boy Monty Morris now, which is, which is great. Um, At first, I was confused why Denver even made that trade because they traded him Will Barton, you know, for like KCP or whatever, which I didn't think was a good trade. But then I remembered they got Bruce Brown and it all made sense, you know. When you can get Bruce Brown, you just trade the farm and clear playing time for him. So I I got that. And those two guys have been pretty good for Washington. You know, of course, our boy Gafford has been – doing great from the bench Um, Taj Gibson still collecting checks I mean what an absolute stud Taj Gibson I was thinking about this earlier while watching the Wizards I think Taj Gibson would go in the Basketball Power Hour Hall of Fame what do you think about that
1: well not this year but
0: (laughs) the all all time Hall of Fame for players we love I think Gibson's
1: got to be in there Listen, I was say Taj Gibson was my Brandon Clark back in like 2011. So you don't have to tell me twice. I was like saying, hey, play this guy. Unfortunately, I am not saying that now. Um, his time, I think Taj Gibson is probably one of like the five oldest players in the league at this point. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. He's got to be. He, he has to be. He's definitely one of the five oldest who are playing. <laughs> Like, actually he's played 17 games and yes, he's only playing 7 minutes a game but 17 out of 29 that's ridiculous I'm sorry that's ridiculous and I know they've been hurt a lot but Chris Naps is playing 33 minutes a game I think that's a good amount for him he's, Chris Naps has been really healthy this year so far this yeah. is his first injury um, I, I guess they don't have any other bigs besides Gafford <laughs> but I don't know Place <laughs> you have a ton of depth at the wing I, I feel like you have I don't know I, I'm not going to rant about Taj Gibson Um, <laughs> from the games you saw that had Porzingis in them if you saw any that had him in them did you like what you saw from Porzingis
0: uh, I didn't see much I don't really remember having much of a takeaway which I think kind of is my answer I mean he's got a beard now there's that I took that away but I mean I think I don't think he's better than Kyle Kuzma you know what I mean and I've kind of grown very fond of Fusma, or kuzma not Fuzma uh over the past couple of years but like when I watch kuzma and I watch Porzingis I you know would probably pick Kuzma and I think that says more about Chris Dapps than it does Kuzma
1: so JD said I love what I see from Porzingis he's been great and I mean this year he's been I, I like what I've seen from him he's been going to the elbow operating from the elbow a lot I, I don't know why it didn't work in Dallas with him um it was kind of weird because this guy should have worked in Dallas. So, you know what we're seeing in Washington. I watched, I made sure I watched the ones where he was healthy. I did. not I didn't even bother watching the Denver game from last night. I was like, there's no point. The probably just ruled them. And I'm sure, I, I mean, I saw what he did in like the first three quarters. I'm sure he just destroyed them after that. Um, what Chris Stapps is doing this year, like, I don't know why he couldn't do that next to Luca. I don't know if it's just like he needs the ball a whole lot and maybe that's why the Wizards are an eight-game losing streak right now. <laughs> Let's see when the last time Brad played because that might answer a lot of our questions. We're getting to the point of the season now, Dylan, where <laughs> it's just hard to do the power hour because we're so low on teams. <laughs> and you, it's not like we can pivot out of the Wizards, you know? It's not like we can keep pushing them off at a certain point. <laughs> so Brad hasn't played since December 4th and when he did play he only played three minutes so he hasn't really played since December 2nd um, not as bad as I thought <laughs> but I don't know like you have also okay let's just say all three of these guys are healthy right let's just say their whole team is healthy is this even a play-in team is, is this team even better than the Knicks like genuine question like I don't I don't know if they are.
0: <laughs> I don't think so. I mean they they have the worst defense in the league the past 2 weeks and getting Brad Beal back is not going to save that, you know. <laughs> like this is a team that's just running and gunning all the time and and they're fun to watch somewhat for that reason that they're they do have a lot of offensive talent and you know a healthy Beal and Porzingis together does have a lot of upside, but they can't stop anyone. I mean, I did watch that Denver game and, you know, it wasn't the full crew obviously, but I mean, God, they couldn't stop anything. And Denver, you know, as we're talking about before the pod might be the best team in the league. And if not, they're way up there. So they should score a lot of points, but I mean, they just did whatever they wanted. And I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't quite understand what Washington has tried to do the past couple of years. They're in this weird spot where Brad Beal does not want to leave. And I think it's hurting the wizards because it's hard to just to look at a guy. I mean, as a Pacers fan, I know, like it's hard to look at an all-star level guy that doesn't want to leave and say, you need to leave, you know, it's hard to do that, but the wizards are stuck in this place now where they have to appease a and respect a really, really good player by giving him good players around him. But the players they're giving him are not players that are going to help you win a ton of games. Like they're going to win enough games to not be the magic or the Pistons or the Hornets, you know, but they're not doing anything in the playoffs. Having, having, Kyle Kuzma is your third offensive option, that's not going to help you unless you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and they don't have those guys, so I don't quite, I just don't get their path. I think they could trade every player on this roster for a late first-round pick, it feels like. Like, they have a bunch of really good players that would fit in on really good teams, but they're not a really good team. So they are just scoring 125 points a an night and losing by 15. That's just what this team is.
1: Yeah, this definitely feels like a team that's like lesser than the sum of its parts. Like if you threw like, you know what it kind of reminds me of. And I think you'll I think you'll nod your head as soon as I say this. Like, I I know you're going to love this comparison. This is kind of reminds me of remember the magic in 2021 where like, we just knew it wasn't working, but they had Vooch, they had Fournier, they had Aaron Gordon. And we're like, you know, a bunch of these guys can help teams out. Like, these aren't scrubs. <laughs> like, we know these guys are good, and sure enough, Aaron Gordon went for a first and RJ Hampton. Evan Fournier went for two seconds. Vooch went for maybe what's the greatest steal in the history of the NBA. Um, and I don't think, I don't know who would trade for who right now, Brad's not going anywhere. Because Brad is the only player in a while who's had a full full no trade clause. Um which good for him, I guess. I I don't see it as like loyalty. Maybe this is where the cynic in me comes in from like all these NBA moves over the years. I I kind of view his no trade clause as like I'm going to leave at some point but I'm going to choose. This is like me deciding where I'm going to end up. And you're just going to have to live with that. Like you are not going to get to leverage me out. You're not going to say, okay, Oh, Miami's offering four first round picks and Duncan Robinson. Boom. I'm going to Miami. maybe I don't want to go to Miami. He is in charge of his own destiny at this point. And he is going to be, he's not going to end up somewhere where he doesn't want to go. Right. Like I think if I was the Mavericks and there was no like something I wanted to talk about the Mavericks later, I'll talk about it now. (laughs) If I was the Mavericks and there was no full trade clause, I'd offer five first round picks for Bradley Beal. What's stopping you? But why would you do it? (laughs) He's just probably going to say no. Bradley Beal next to Luca would be amazing. It'd be exactly what you need. I would mortgage my future for that. But why, why would you do it? I mean, first of all, he'd probably say no. <laughs> I mean, what ties does he have to Dallas? St. Louis isn't that close to Dallas, I don't think. Let's see. How far away do you think St. Louis is from Dallas? I'm going to guess at least. Oh, gosh. It's probably further than you think. So St. Louis to Dallas drive is nine hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. I was
0: going diff- to say 10 hours. As, as the expert, I was going to say 10 hours. <laughs> Even though I've never made that drive specifically.
1: So, well, that, that would be a very weirdly specific drive. If you made that, I would be shocked. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know... I mean, if we go, if we're going off the geography criteria, I don't know if there's anywhere that would fit the St. Louis criteria, you know, other than Oklahoma city, but I don't know why you would willingly want to go to Oklahoma city right now. Um, it's just, or Memphis. I think Memphis, Brad Beale and Memphis would be.
0: <laughs> but it, it's unnecessary.
1: It is unnecessary, but I, you know, it I've been trying to get
0: half ago. But right now, Desmond Bain is just better than her, you know. So
1: that is a spicy take. <laughs> it's that spicy is true. It is a I'll spicy do. meatball. I'll just whew, um Pick one. I'll I just it. dropped a bomb, so I don't know if I can. <laughs> I don't know if I'm in a position to push back on that right now. But I here's my thing. I think Kuzma. Could help like help a team like the Cavs right now. Kuzma would help the Lakers. You could throw Kuzma. Kuzma helps all 30 teams, right? I think all 30 teams, you throw them on the heat, you throw them on the, you know, throw them on the Celtics, throw him on, you know, the Knicks, throw them on whatever team. Any team is like, please give me Kyle Kuzma. And I don't think he's averaging 20. I think it's like Jeremy Grant, right? Where Jeremy Grant's not averaging, you know, what he did in Detroit, but you throw Kyle Kuzma in a team, he's gonna average 16-17, and he's gonna play great defense, he's gonna get you some boards, which is what you need out of your power forward. Like, I don't think we talk about rebounding enough anymore. Like, I feel like rebounding has kind of gone to the wayside. If you can get rebounding out of your wing, Dylan, I feel like that's a hugely underrated part of a basketball player now. And Kyle Kuzma is one of the best rebounding wings in the league. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, Kuzma is one of those coast-to-coast guys. You know, those guys are always valuable. The guy that can just grab the ball and take it down and score on the other end or make a a great play of some sort. And Kuzma's become that guy. And he's also a really good off-ball player, too. Like, that's why I think he would fit into so many teams. He's always been a good off-ball player. And it really started to shine when he was playing with LeBron. I mean, that year that they won the title, Kuzma was – So important to that team, we talked about this a lot, and we hated that Lakers team. But Kuzma was really good at points, and he really helped them win that finals because he was so he kind of stepped back. Where before LeBron was there, he was the guy, you know, proving that he was better than his draft position, he was throwing up a bunch of shots, and yeah, he looked pretty good, but the team sucked. And then he had to step back when LeBron got there and play more off ball, and he was really good. And I think that in the same way kind of that we've seen with Jeremy Grant, although maybe Jeremy Grant's progression has been like the opposite way, but playing off ball and now having a chance to really shine as a scorer again, you kind of see both, both sides of him. And he's, he's just really, really good on offense. And he's better on defense than he used to be too. I mean, he's just an all-around solid player now. And he really, really could fit on almost any team in the league right now. So for the Wizards to hold on to him when they are clearly not going anywhere, just doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: And I got to say, I've heard um, Wizards fans complain that Leonsis doesn't care about the Wizards the way he cares about the Capitals, which checks out basically on every aspect of Wizards history that we've known about for what the past Twenty years, I don't. He, I don't think he's owned the team. that I think he bought the team like after the MJ period. If my understanding is correct, I could probably look this up, but I'm not. I'm not going to because I don't really care that much. But since Leons Leonsis has owned the team, he hasn't cared that much about the Wizards. Like he put together, you know, that little big three with Butler, Jameson, and Arenas. You know, he put together that little big three with Wall, Beal, and Porter. But it's never been like, oh, my gosh, you know, <laughs> look at the Wizards. They're coming out strong. I did think the Wizards, I think John Wall in the mid 2010s is probably one of the most underrated players in recent memory. But could you imagine John Wall on this team? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um. Real quick. So Denny Avdia, I thought, has looked really good. Um, Rui hasn't played in a little while. He's out. Um, have you seen anything from Denny? Like have you seen any growth from him over these last couple, like over the games you watched compared to like last year and the last couple of years? Because he's been a very confusing player for me over these last couple of years.
0: Yeah, I think he's better on ball, like as a scorer. I think in the past he has tried to become more of a passer, which was part of the thing to like about him was that he was a good low post passer kind of guy could find shooters on the wing cutters, you know, and I think he in the past playing with some of these good scores has kind of stepped back into that role more where he's just going to shoot open threes and cut a little bit and make good passes. And I think this year he seems a little bit more interested in getting to the rim and kind of scoring on his own. And I think I think it's helped a lot, and I do think it it helps the growth of players like him that they have some of these players on this team that are really good scorers. They're really good movers off the ball, and I think it helps their offense flow so well, Why? which is why their offense is good. You know, it's fun to watch. and They score a lot of points because of that, and, you know, again, it's not worth the downside on defense that they have, but it does help from a developmental state guys like Avdia and Kispert too get good looks.
1: Yeah, and Avdia, I mean, can't make a three to save his life, but it's good that he's taking them. You know, he's taking three a game. You know, you're not going to get better if you don't take them. And he just might be a guy where he's like a small ball five in like off the bench in the future. Which is fine. Like, I I think Dario Saric is a guy he should look up to. The problem is Dario Saric is just a much better shooter than he is. And he's also. I think he suffers from what I call Halliburton itis. Where, you know, he was in that 2020 class and he was had the unfortunate. He had the unfortunate pleasure of being drafted before Tyrese Halliburton, you know, <laughs> Patrick Williams, I, Patrick Williams, I exclude from this group, but Isaac Okoro also suffers from this. Onyeka Kongwu, Killian Hayes, um, who else was in that draft? Um, let's <laughs> Abdia, Jalen Smith. Um, who was who went eighth? This is gonna kill me. Oh yeah, Obi Toppin. Devin Vassell is playing himself out of getting Halliburton, but everyone else, it's gonna be like Devin Booker or Kobe in a couple years, where it's like, oh, you went before. You went before Kobe. You went before book. Oh, you went before Halliburton. And to be fair, I, we were talking about the wizards and just like, we're, obviously we're talking about the wizards. We're talking about like their team building strategy. I do wonder what happens if they win a couple of those lotteries like, or one of them, because they had the six best odds in the 2019 and 2020 lotteries. And they felt ninth both times in 2019, obviously Zion, <laughs> could you imagine Zion with Bradley Beal?
0: Oh gosh!
1: And in 2020, um, you have Edwards or Ball. I don't think, or I probably they're not picking Edwards, but they're probably picking Ball or Wiseman. And Wiseman probably Wiseman's trajectory is different if he doesn't get paid to Golden State. So we we can't. I'm not going to play the what if game, but I think Ball is successful no matter where he goes. I think we probably agree on that, right? Yeah. So I do wonder what happens to the trajectory of this team. If they have better lottery, just better success of the ping pong balls, because I think Chicago in 2020 or 2019, 20 was, let's see, I'm trying to pull up their record real quick. It won't let me. Um, I think they jumped up in the, to the lottery that year and Charlotte did too. And then I know for a fact that Memphis and new Orleans both, because I think that was the year in 2019 when people were like, "Oh, AD, the league is rigging this." <laughs> the league is rigging this so that New Orleans doesn't gets the first pick. So they get Zion. Oh god, I wish we were talking about the Pelicans this week. <laughs> hey, we could. We could, but we <laughs> we owe it to the formula. We were just
0: texting about Zion last night. I mean, oh, every time I watch him, I just forget about all the stuff. I forget that he weighed 500 pounds last year. I forget that he can't stay healthy. He's just magnificent, man. Like it's—I have more fun watching him than anyone, truly, because the way he moves at his size and the way he jumps and is is so explosive, like. I think he could literally take on an oncoming semi and like stop it in his tracks. Like he is just amazing.
1: A couple more things about the wizards and then we'll, we'll gracefully move on. Um, Jordan Goodwin, a guy that makes me go, Hmm, interesting. (laughs) I like, he's got potential. He's got something there. It's kind of like McLaughlin for the Mm -hmm. wolves. I think he's got something there. Like he's a guy like he's yeah. he's not a scrub you know who's just playing because there's no one else to play i think he's a guy and then as always free daniel gafford like he should be playing somewhere he should be starting somewhere it's i know he's actually been playing more recently but i i don't think it's kind of ridiculous that he's not <laughs> he's languishing on the bench and that Taj Gibson started over <laughs> last night was insane. Um, the Utah Jazz, Dylan, the craziest success story of the NBA season so far. I think it's safe to say they are eighth in the Western Conference. The last five games, so the last five games they lost to the Blazers one sixteen to one eleven, beat the Warriors one twenty four to one twenty three. They. Lost to the Wolves 118 to 108 in a game where Rudy Gobert dunked it at the end. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that controversy. It happened on the same night as the Zion um Phoenix thing. I don't know if you saw that either. Where uh, Zion did a windmill.
0: Oh yeah. I saw the Zion thing. I didn't see the Gobert thing.
1: No, Gobert did the same thing on the same night. No one just is talking about it because <laughs> Gobert didn't really dunk it. Um they lost to the Nuggets 115 to 110. And then they beat the Pelicans 121 to 100. Um, This team is interesting, Dylan. What was your biggest takeaways watching this team?
0: I mean, I feel like I'm still trying to figure it out, kind of. I do, too. I was still confused. I watched three games. There's like 10% of three different teams are just now on this team together. It's like nothing from last year has carried over. So, this is a completely new team, essentially, that we're having to figure out here. And, I mean, Kelly Olenek is just continually being productive. Beasley has been awesome. Alexander Walker, who I've really been intrigued by for years now, is really hitting his stride and looking really good. And it's really exciting because – he he's just always been a guy that's been so fascinating because he's got this massive wingspan that like guarantees he can be a good wing defender, you know? So that's important and that's beneficial, but for him to be more than that, you know, he had to be more consistent on offense and now he's finally becoming more consistent. He's hitting a bunch of pull-up threes and he's just looking really, really good. So I had a lot of fun watching him. Uh, You know, Townhorn Tucker is getting more minutes. His minutes have been kind of weird and all over the place. Like some nights he'll play a lot, and the next night he won't play much at all. So I'm not sure of the strategy there, but he's looked good in in spurts, you know, and he's proving Lakers fans maybe that he was worth five first or whatever they wanted for him last year. Um, So, yeah, it's – It's a team that I feel like a week wasn't enough to actually understand because the lineup is fluctuating all the time. Like, you know, Sexton's missed some time, Conley. Like, I don't know. It's just a really odd team. And I'm still trying to get a grip on Lowry Markkinen maybe being Jeremy Grant this year. Like, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to figure out right now.
1: Well, I think you mentioned the guy that's the – Puzzle piece that makes the reason why they're 16 and four, or 14. It's Mike Conley. And I think once he's gone, this is going to collapse and they're going to be bad. Um, the problem is, is that they might've already won too many games. So let's look at the worst teams. Okay. So Charlotte's at seven wins. Yeah, they're the worst team in the league. Detroit's at eight wins. Orlando. Houston and San Antonio all have only won nine games. So those are the five worst teams in the league right now. Um, The rest of the teams, I would say, are competing for the play-in at the moment. I would say OKC and the Lakers and Washington and Chicago are still going for the play-in. Those teams all have 11 wins. Um, (laughs) Dylan, I just don't know. Like, it seems like. Yes. It's never a bad thing to win games, except when you have a lot of generational prospects in the same draft. Then it kind of is a bad thing to win games.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing because everyone is like outplaying how they should be playing. And I don't think the Jazz expected that. Like They just traded their two best players for absolute hauls. I mean, this was clearly a reset, you know? But they, they somehow got too many good prospects in those deals where now they're actually better than they want to be. So they're they're in a weird place. And what I'm interested in what I'm interested in is if they end up pushing their chips to the table at some point and saying, Well, we've got all these picks now, we've got some intriguing prospects maybe we go for a veteran that could actually help us win, you know? It's either that or they go the opposite way and they trade Conley and Rudy Gay and some of these guys. That's, that's what I'm interested to watch moving forward is do they stick to the plan and kind of just assume that this is going to collapse, trade the vets, get a nice pick, and build, you know, around these guys you have now that are, that are young and good, but not good enough to really do much for you in terms of wins, do they stick to that? Or do they go somewhat all in and try to get more help? And knowing Danny Ainge, I'm, I'm imagining that he'll end up selling at some point. But I don't know. I'm interested to see because as we just talked about, the West is not in tip-top shape right now. So I could understand them seeing a small window here and maybe going all in on someone. I don't know who that someone is because this is like the first season in a while where there hasn't been some big looming name that's just out there wanting out. At least that's what it seems like. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how the next couple months go pre deadline.
1: So Dylan, as you know, today's an important day in NBA um, today is the day that a lot of the league becomes trade eligible. Um, unfortunately for the Jazz, it's only two guys <laughs> that really became trade eligible in Sexton, it, Colin Sexton, who I don't think they're looking to trade, and Simone Fontecchio, who, if they are looking to trade, isn't making very much. <laughs> um, here's I think this is what we should do. Tell me if you're done for this. this. This kind of like live podcast producing. I think we should go down the Jazz's top 11, let's say, and stop at Fantec, uh, not do Fantechio, but let's do all the guys before him on the rotation. And let's go through the guys and let's see see if you think they should trade him or if they should keep him. Sound okay. good? Sure. Okay, so Lowry marketing. Should the Jazz trade him or should they keep him?
0: <sighs> Probably trade him.
1: I think... If you trade him now, you're selling at his highest. The problem is, so I think he's making what 15 million right now. Let's just I think 15 is right. I'm checking his salary. What is his role on a con- like if a contender trades for him? Is his role like as a six man off the bench? Is it what Kelly Olynyk was doing for like the Celtics on the Isaiah Thomas teams? Not to like troll. But, like, genuinely asking.
0: I honestly don't know. <laughs> because he's been on three different teams in the past three years now and has kind of played different roles on all of them. And this, the one right now, is seemingly the most effective. So, I don't know. Maybe piggybacking off that Chris Tapps combo, maybe he's just got to be the guy on a bad bad to somewhat good team to have success. But, you know, if if he goes to a team where he's the fourth guy,
1: how effective is he really? I don't know. So Jordan Clarkson. Definitely. I think the Jazz are going to keep him. They're going I, to, but they shouldn't. I think they really like him like in the front office, I think they're really big fans of his like personality, Mm -hmm. which I'm, I'm glad he's found a home, (laughs) you know, after all these years bouncing around the NBA, you love, I, I personally love when these like six man types, like Lou will, you know, like Jamal Crawford, like Jamal Crawford never had a home. Like, what would you say his home was like NBA home? I don't think he has one. It's Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Like me
0: personally, I think of the Clippers when I think him, just because that's where I saw him the most when I was watching basketball. And he was a he was a big part of those teams, those Clippers teams. You know, he was there there a decent amount of time.
1: But I don't think the Clippers would be like, oh, it's Clippers legend Jamal Crawford. Like yeah. I don't think this organization, especially you know, that was different ownership.
0: It was the tail end of his career. He wasn't that guy.
1: Mm-hmm. Go good. exactly. Yeah, like it's not like this next guy you know, for this city or for his old team. You know, it's not like Mike Conley, who I think this one's easy. <laughs> he's gone. There's no way he's on the team on the trade deadline.
0: What what's the team that you think he ends up on?
1: I think it's the Lakers. Yeah. I don't think it, it makes too much sense. Two Ohio State guys and LeBron and Mike Conley. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that that's the only reason it makes sense is that connection right there
1: of course you know <laughs> Ohio State point guard doing Ohio State wide receiver yeah or I guess he would have played would he have played wide receiver or would he have played tight end in college I think they would have probably tried to shift him to tight end
0: he would be massive as a receiver I mean it would be I don't know I think tight end was what everyone kind of always saw for him
1: they wouldn't have had the vision for that in 2003 right and now they probably would have. Yeah. There, there's ways to make it work, but I don't think there was ways to make it work back then. Um, Kelly O'Linick. I think the problem is, is that he just makes too much sense on this team slash, which is buzzword for, I don't think a contender wants him.
0: <laughs> Kelly Olenek somehow is good on every team he plays for. It actually seems like he's getting better over time, which is typically not how it works.
1: You know where I'd actually like to see him go. If they can, if they don't give up a lot for him, I think he'd be good on the heat. Oh, yeah, because they need rebounding. They need floor spacing 38% from three or well, that's actually um, I was looking at my Conley stats 44% from three only five rebounds a game still Um. You put him next to Bam like how he was before. I don't need him to play 30 minutes a game like he is in Utah. But I, I think he could be good next to Bam. Malik Beasley, he's definitely, there's no way he's there on the trade deadline, right? Like, I think here's here's an idea. Tell me if you think I'm crazy for this. If I'm a team that's looking to go after Buddy Heald, why not just go get Malik Beasley for cheaper? would
0: he be cheaper He he's cost less money oh like actually money what about asset though asset wise
1: so okay so how much I think it just depends on how much time he has left on his contract which we'll see he has so he has a team option so he's gonna get that picked up so he's got one year left so I'm gonna look up buddy real quick and buddy's he's got one year left at sixteen million. Buddy's got one year left at nineteen million for next year. It's actually not as bad as I thought. Cause the Kings, I think, front loaded his contract.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would definitely take Beasley. He's a guy that you could probably keep around a little bit longer too. He's younger. Yeah. So he fits, he fits into a a short and long-term vision more than buddy.
1: I think they were the same draft if I'm not mistaken.
0: Well, buddy was 27 when he came out. So
1: (laughs) harsh, but fair. Um, (laughs) if you're the jazz, this one's tough. Do you keep Jared Vanderbilt around?
0: (laughs) That was when I was looking at, I feel like you got to keep them. Yeah, like Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt is a guy where like I still feel like he has a lot of room to grow upwards and I don't think you want to see that happen on another team if I'm the Jazz that's how I see it because I don't think Minnesota wanted to trade him you know they just wanted Rudy Gobert more and that's why they did it but the Jazz what they're going to get back for Vanderbilt I don't know I mean, it definitely could be more helpful depending on what it is, but I mean, that's a guy that could fit into any kind of lineup, too. Yes. And those are guys that you keep around if you can.
1: He could be a small ball five. He could play next to a stretch four or a stretch five. I mean, stretch four or stretch five. I mean, you need a space, a spacing forward slash big next to him. But if you have that, he's probably the most valuable guy you can have in that situation because he cleans up the glass. He's one of the best defenders in the league, like on this team. If you're going to keep Lowry and Olinick, I think he makes too much sense to have. Um, Which is why I don't think I trade him. and I think we agree keeper unless they, someone blows him away. Walker Kessler. I don't think there's no way they trade him. No, that kid looked really good, by the way. Um, I know he got yammed on by Zion. He's averaging 1.9 blocks a game, Dylan.
0: He was a beast in college, dude. I was surprised that he didn't get drafted a little bit higher. Like he, I watched him. It took me five minutes. Well, I think it was Auburn. He went to like, he, he stood out real early.
1: I mean, how many pure centers are getting drafted in the first round anymore, though? It's not a ton.
0: I mean it's a fair point, you know, but I guess he did go 22. I mean that's probably fair. He he moved up late though. He moved up late. He had a good good run, good PR run. Those past, you know, those those final like 2 months before the draft, there's a lot of movement that happens. They can really change some lives. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, I think Walker Kessler was look. He, they were looking at him as like a late first, early second kind of guy for most of the season, and then people caught on, and he ended up going twenty two.
1: Yeah, he's been as like he's been as good as you th- thought he would be. Yeah, in the NBA, and I mean, good for him. Horton Tucker, I don't think he's gone. Rudy Gay, I think you should look into a trade. If I'm a team, I'm just waiting for him to get bought out. Yeah. I don't think he'll get traded. And then I don't think we trade Alexander Walker. If I'm well, the jazz
0: pretty gay is 36. I mean, there should be a cap. Like if you're above a certain age, just don't even bother trading him. Like <laughs> just buy it. Like he can't waste time. Okay. Just buy him out. Let him pick where he wants to go. It'll be Miami probably or Phoenix.
1: Are just, they going to do him like they did in the for that one contract. He tried to sign with the Rockets. Do you remember that? I
0: remember. Uh, I don't. I don't think Rudy Gay will try that. But Nene, what a what a what a legend!
1: Poor Nene tried to get the bag one last bag, and the NBA wouldn't let him. I'm telling you, man, the NBA is is ageist.
0: That has been made clear.
1: It, incredibly clear. Um. So. I guess my last jazz question after going through that little exercise there. Do they have any like long-term keepers? I think I'm like mildly excited about Walker Kessler. Mm -hmm. I could see him being like Mitchell Robinson. But I'm not like super excited about Mitchell Robinson. I think Mitchell Robinson's like borderline top 100. But you know, you know how I feel about like those borderline top 100 guys Dylan. You know how I feel about Sexton. Other than Sexton, should I feel excited about any of these young guys if I'm a Jazz fan?
0: I mean, you should probably be excited about Alexander Walker. I know I am. I mean, he's like, listen, there's, (laughs) he's 24. He's still, like, very young, all things considered. He is still not as consistent on offense as you would like. But like that Denver game, he played 40 minutes and had 27 points and they were competitive, you know, like that. That's a really good sign. And then he had 19 the next night they beat New Orleans. So I don't know. It's he's a weird guy to peg because he really like, there's so much inconsistency in his game. He doesn't get consistent minutes, which doesn't help either. And they have, there's a lot of guards there. Like if, if and when they trade Conley, I think we'll get some more answers there. But I don't know. I'm not gonna give up on him. He's still really young. He still has a lot of promise. So I think that's the perfect kind of guy for this team. Cause this team should not be good. It should not want to be good. It should it should really like the Nikhil Alexander Walkers of the world that are terrible some nights and really fun other nights. That's that's the kind of players they need.
1: I agree completely agree um on that note i think we should move on to the mavericks um who are have a worse record i believe than the jazz they do they're 14 and 14 good for ninth in the western conference um their last five games (laughs) it's been a weird year for the mavericks last five games they lost to the bucks 105 106 they Lost to the Bulls 144 to 115. Sorry, I my math is bad. They beat the Nuggets 116, 115, then Bucks, then Bulls, then beat the Thunder 121, 114, then lost to the Cavs last night 105 to 90. Um, we were talking about years of bad decisions getting us to the Wizards. I mean, couldn't we just literally say, copy-paste, say the exact same thing about the Mavericks?
0: I actually was thinking earlier how I think basically the same way about the Mavericks and the Wizards, except Luca is way better than Beal. Like, that's pretty much the differentiator. Like, I I think the same of the roster where it's a bunch of good, not great guys. So when push comes to shove, like the playoffs – it's Luka versus the world. And it kind of reminds me of those Harden-Rockets teams when Chris Paul wasn't there. Where, I mean, Luka is definitely, like, it's not, Luka and Harden do not play the same way necessarily. In some ways they do. I think the Rockets were much more Harden-centric than this Mavs team is Luka-centric. But defenses know what's up. Like, they know that if the ball is in Dorian Finney-Smith's hands, or whoever that you're in a much better spot than when it's in Lucas hands, so they try to get out of Lucas hands, and you may not see that in the regular season as much because whatever it's a regular season, but in the playoffs that's what happens. And you know, last year the Mavs had a really good run. I don't think that is replicable with this roster. I mean, I think getting Christian Wood, like Christian Wood, may have been the best trade of the season. It was shocking that they were able to pull that off. I really was not – I, I could not comprehend that they pulled that off. Because that was – we talked about this Mavericks team last year before, of course, they went on their run. Like, what – how the hell are they going to turn this around? And they trade Kristaps for Spencer Dinwiddie, and that helps in some ways. And then they somehow get Christian Wood. So, they've been, they've been able to make the most out of their assets, I think. But still, like, listen, I love Finney Smith. I love Kleba. I love a lot of these guys, Hardaway. But they're, they're good, not great. They need, like you were talking about earlier, they need a Bradley Beal type. They need to make that Chris Paul trade that the Rockets made. Like, that's what they need to make that next step. And I don't know how they can pull it off, but they've proven me wrong the past couple of years with some of the trades they've made that it is possible to make work. So I don't know who they're gonna get or how they're gonna get them, but getting someone to take some pressure off Luca when inevitably they're stuck in the playoffs with not a lot of options outside of him, that's that's the way they need to go.
1: So I'll, I'll get to JD's thoughts in a second because JD had a lot to say about Christian Wood, actually, but let's first hear what he has to say about da- Dallas in general. So Dallas sucks, and I'm tired of hearing... I think I already said this part. I'm tired of hearing about MVP Luca. He said, I only like that they beat sorry-ass Phoenix. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know that how much you know the extent of JD's hatred of the Suns. He hates this Suns team. I think that might be his least favorite team in the whole league. Um, they're like his Lakers. Okay. Or, a comparison. Um, I think Luca is like a pitcher that only throws fastballs. Right. And this whole team is built around the pitcher who only throws fastballs, right? Like they, they built a team that doesn't know how to field. I'm really extending this analogy, but like on the offensive side, you know, they like built a bunch of power hitters, but these, the team commits a bunch, like if the guy does hit a ground ball, you know, the shortstop throws it over the first baseman's head, or if the shortstop does make accurate throw, the first baseman can't field it because none of the guys know how to play defense. Right. And I'm not saying like the Mavericks don't know how to play defense themselves. I'm saying this team was built in a very specific way and they don't have a (laughs) changeup, right? They don't have the sinker baller out of the bullpen. Who's going to come in and get you the double play like Chris Paul, right? I think the way you phrased it perfectly about hard, this they play like the hardened teams before Chris Paul, because I, except I don't think any of these guys are as good as Eric Gordon was. I, I don't No. Um, and by the way, that's the injury I was waiting to talk about. Kaliba six to eight weeks. That could end up being massive <laughs> for a team that's already on the borderline of the play in. Um, if he's gone for that long because he's like a key floor spacing component for them but back to the to the discussion of the team like they just need to do something different right like like I think what's beautiful about the Bucks right is you have Giannis he's bashing you and bashing you and bashing you going hard into the paint then you have Chris Middleton who's going to hit you with a 17 foot fade away with a hand in his face he's going to hit it contested like 45% of the time and that's unstoppable. You can't guard. A, you can't. You can't play defense against the guy who's going to hit contested fadeaways. It's impossible. So you need the changeup, right? Chris Middleton is the changeup. Who's the Mavs changeup? It's not Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie looked great when he had Brunson there as like the third option. I I like Brunson a lot. I gave Brentson a lot of praise on my monologue last week, Dylan. He's not this good. He's not this good. He's not this good where it's like, Oh my gosh, the sky is falling. And like the Dallas defense is considerably worse this year. Um, The JaVale McGee signing has been a utter disaster, just flat out disaster. Like, You wasted your mid-level exception on him. I should have pulled. I should have made a list of the guys who signed for the mid-level exception this year. That's I regret that. But you telling me you could have gotten you couldn't have. I would have rather just signed PJ Tucker for fifteen million a year. (laughs) Like honestly, that would have been better use of the money. Like (laughs) PJ Tucker for fifteen million a year, JaVale McGee for ten million. It's. I don't know Dylan just like it just seems like we're getting progressively worse every year like Dwight Powell is not good anymore like they play better with him in the lineup because he knows what he's doing but he's not good you can see it he's just not good and then you have Hardaway has lost a step I don't think I'm crazy to say that either that or the injuries have gotten to him one way or another he's not the same guy he was a couple years ago um, Dinwiddie's not the guy he was before his big injuries. So you have a team of guys. <laughs> I'm kind of loath to use this comparison, but I think it's it's kind of like the LeBron Cavs, like the not like the you know the Kyrie Love Cavs, but like the Mo Williams Zdrunas Gaussius Cavs. Where, like, they tried to put together a team that would be like, oh, a championship team. And they had success, but you saw there was a clear ceiling. And you saw that Luca, or not Luca, you saw what happened with LeBron. Dylan, I'm not saying Luca might leave, but they got to be careful, man. Like, superstars are unpredictable, and this team isn't going anywhere. Like, what's the path? What's the path out of this? Is there a path out of this?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I I don't want to like totally poo poo them because again, we had the same conversation a year and a half ago, and they ended up making the conference final. So, and some of that was fluky, and I do agree that Brunson was playing out of his shoes, kind of and got the bag because of it. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure how they do it. I don't know what's left to trade where they get that guy. They, they don't have Chris Paul assets like Houston did. Houston, I think the reason that team worked and I still think if injuries broke a certain way, they would have made the finals and probably won against the Cavs that one year. You know, like that was a finals level team. And the reason why is because they had Daryl Morey, who was always thinking about assets, always. No matter who was on the team, he always made sure that he had a little bit left in the tank where he could push it to another level. And this Mavericks team doesn't have that kind of leadership. And Luca has already shown frustration pretty early on. Like, his second or third year, he was already kind of mad and pushed Carlisle out and that whole thing. So it's definitely something to be scared of, but I I don't know. We'll see if they can pull a rabbit out of their hat here and, and make some sort of wild trade, but I, I think they probably have to get lucky and somehow get someone in free agency and do a salary dump. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like trading is going to happen. Obviously, they're not going to have – a great draft position at any point. So unless they can get Nicole Jokic in the second round one of these years, I don't know. They have to get they have to get lucky somewhere.
1: Like to bring up the 17 eighteen Rockets, right? Probably the best Rockets and not probably the best Rockets team. Um here's an honest to goodness question. So let's just say the Rockets are playing a seven-man rotation, right? Like, they were basically playing a seven-man rotation by the time the the um, conference finals was done. Because before Chris Paul got hurt. So let's just use Dorian Finney-Smith. Is Dorian Finney-Smith cracking the rotation of Harden-Paul, Ariza Tucker, Gerald Green, Eric Gordon? I don't think he is. And that's not an insult to Dorian Finney Smith. That's not an insult to Spencer Dinwiddie. It's not an insult to, you know, a bunch of other guys. That 1718 Rockets team was on a whole other level. But to your point about Daryl, like, they actually had a team, right? And they had Clint. I don't even think I brought up Clint Capella. Like, Clint Capella is way better than any of the guys on this team. Like, I like Christian Wood a lot. He's a great scorer. He just the defense, there's a reason why Jason I I as much as I hate to admit Jason Kidd is right, I think he's right about how he's handling the Christian Wood thing. And JD actually let me bring up JD's point because JD would disagree with me. JD would say I like Christian Wood there, but I hate the way he's being used minutes-wise. If they're planning on it staying that way, I'd like to see him traded to a different team somewhere that'll utilize him more. I, I just... It's kind of a thing where Christian Wood will score you 20, but he'll also give you 20, give up 21. And the Rockets, if you have championship aspirations, you can't play a guy at that spot who's going to do that. There's only one guy you can afford to do that with in the lead. He's, he's going to score you 40 while he gives up 20. <laughs> And I, I don't know, Dylan. I just I can't see it. Like, I, I can't see unless they make drastic moves at the deadline, like unless they trade for a lot of the jazz guys, right? Like unless they trade for Larry market, unless they trade for Malik Beasley. But even then, those guys are just band-aids. Like. I, I don't. I don't see a way out of this.
0: Yeah, they don't need Larry marketing. They don't. That doesn't fix much. Cause they're gonna run into one of these more developed teams down the line and they're gonna be like, Well shit, Lowry is our second best player. <laughs> and the more moves like that you make, the more you put yourself in that box where you're pushing all these chips in on Luca and slowly over time you're losing assets each each move you make. So it's got to be the right guy. And I mean, look at the Chris Tapps trade. They gave up a bunch for Chris Tapps and they got Spencer Dinwiddie back for him. What if they just traded for Spencer Dinwiddie five years ago or whatever, for whenever that Chris Tapps trade was, they would have given up a second round pick and nothing else, you know, like that's, that's kind of what has happened where they've invested in guys and lost value over time significantly. So now, I mean that you know the idea of building a team is that you get more value down the line out of the moves you make so you draft a guy and you want him to outplay that position you sign a guy and you want him to play you want you sign a guy for ten million and you want him to be worth fifteen by the end or whatever you know and the mavericks I think have done that with the players they've developed in house they've gotten more out of those guys but none of those guys have become superstars. You know, Maxi Kleba is doing better than anyone expected, but he's Maxi Kleba. He's not, you know, he's not Carl Anthony Towns or whatever. Like he's not, none of those guys have become a second banana to Luca. They've just been guys that are good, but ultimately get taken advantage of in the playoffs. And... Again, like they just they have to find that second banana somehow and they keep trying and props to them for trying. I don't think they're doing a bad job of trying. I think they're, you know, doing the best with what they have, but it's just not enough.
1: And I I'm curious to hear your opinion on this. Luca is averaging right now thirty-three, 30, eight point 8.7, Um I don't think you can win playing hardened ball. And I think hardened ball is a good thing to call it where you can, where you just dribble around and your teammates, you know, only touch it when you decide they're going to touch it. And the rock and the Mavericks play like that a lot where Luca at this point, if I'm a team playing the Mavericks, I'm just looking at Luca the whole time. I'm not even going to bother, you know, cause they're the Mavericks aren't going to move. It's not like they're going to cut <laughs> to open space. They're, they're already occupying, you know, the four, you know, the two wings in the corners, and Luca's just trying to create something from, or you know, if Luca's going from one of the wings, he's going to the guys at the top. I I there's no movement. There's nothing. At this point, all five guys should just be focusing on Luca, and he's playing incredibly this year. I mean, first team all NBA, he should be in the MVP top five. I kind of agree with JD's point though. Like, this isn't gonna work. And I'm just curious to hear your overall thoughts on Harden ball and it's overall like effectiveness in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. I never liked Harden ball and that's why, I mean, it was very clear. I mean, James Harden got a ton of blame for not having more playoff success, but I think anyone that was paying attention saw that he just didn't have gas anymore. Cause he was the guy for the entire season. So by the time you get to the second round of the playoffs and, you know, to be fair, he wasn't in the best shape at any point. He has not handled his NBA career the same way that LeBron or Giannis or Steph has with taking care of their body. You know, he's not on the TV 12 method. Like that's been clear. And that definitely impacts your longevity. I think, you know, so it's, he definitely deserves some blame, but it also makes sense That, you know, to make another cross sport analogy, if you're throwing 50 passes a game, you might have a a dead arm by the end of the season, you know, and I think that's kind of what was happening with Harden. And if you just put that much stress on one guy, it's going to be tough for that to be sustainable. But even even if the guy like even if Luca or Harden or whatever is healthy and feeling good by the playoffs, they still have all this defensive attention on them now. Because these smart playoff teams know that Daniel House is not scoring 30 points if you put the ball in his hand. So they force the ball out of Harden's hand. They put in Daniel House or P.J. Tucker, and they're going to score 12 points, and they're going to lose by 30. You know, that's what happens. And Dallas, the same type of thing is going to happen every year, where Tim Hardaway is going to need to score 25, and Christian Wood is going to need to be positive net points and not you know give up 30 a night while scoring 29 and it doesn't seem likely that's going to happen It could but i think last year with this dallas team was like the best case scenario where and kind of like the houston team and again that houston team was way better all around but still even they and they faced a buzz song in golden state you know but even they couldn't couldn't make it work, and again, that team was way different they had, they had chris Paul too that was offsetting some of the hardened ball, but having a one ball handler centric offense is just not it's not possible to win and it's never it's never you there's never been a team that's won that way
1: yeah never. and it's it's just like change up change up change up you know it's like. To again, to bring it to another sport, you and I are just going across sports tonight to bring it back to baseball. There's never been a pitcher who's, other than knuckleballers, who, by the way, other than like a couple, there's only been a couple knuckleballers through history who have had like good ERAs. And those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Like, look at Tim Wakefield's career ERA. He's like in the career like fours for ERA. He just was an inning leader. But everyone else, and even Tim Wakefield mixed in a fastball from... (laughs) every now and then like you need to have other pitches. The Mavericks like Dinwiddie's numbers are very deceiving this year. I don't think he's been that good. Um, Christian Wood's numbers. Christian Wood is going to put points. He's going to put points on the board. I I don't. I just don't think this team has the goods and I think I'm taking I'm taking New Orleans. I'm taking Memphis over them easy. I'm just. I'm just going through the standings right now. I'm taking Denver over them. I'm going to take the Suns over them. Portland is a little bit of a toss-up, but based on what I've seen so far, I take the port. I take the Blazers. I'm definitely taking the Clippers over them, in spite of the crazy health. Um, the Kings that I will be loath to take the Kings over everyone, anyone, <laughs> even. Even with their level of success, the jazz is again. If they keep this up for another 20 games, then I'll, I'll maybe do it, but not yet. The warriors, even with the upcoming six game losing streak that we predicted, I'll still take them over the Mavericks. I'll still take the wolves over the Mavericks. I don't trust this team, Dylan. And I'm not going to apologize for not trusting them because. I don't trust their coach. I don't trust their front office to get out of this. I don't trust Mark Cuban. He hasn't like they won the title. If you just want to look at the last 10 years of the Mavericks basketball, they locked into Luca, not locked into. I mean, they traded for Luca, but they traded a first round pick that became Cam Reddish. Fine. Whatever. Cam Reddish is kind of bounced around the league. Um, but then they traded two extra first round picks to the Knicks they so they traded away three first round picks in a time where Luca really needed extra talent around it, and that's just I don't know. I just don't feel sorry for them, Dylan. I think that's my takeaway. I don't feel sorry for the for the maps. I almost said for the Knicks. I don't feel sorry for them either, but they didn't do anything. <laughs> I need to be sorry for that. <laughs>
0: Well, hey, you could say the Knicks have actually done a better job team building in the past few years than the the Mavericks. And they've, you know, had a little bit easier. They haven't had to appease a superstar in that time. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't hate how they've built the team more than, you know, I I don't think they've done, like, the worst job in the league. Again, I think starting off with that Chris Apps trade just not working out, that was just a hole that was tough to dig out of. And they had to kind of get lucky to get out of that hole completely with one trade. And Dinwiddie is a guy that we both liked, but he is not who they wanted. Again, like I said earlier, if you go back and you look at Chris Daps, and you're like, wow, this guy is awesome. He gets hurt a lot, but he was unstoppable in New York when he was healthy. And this is a guy that can be with Luca for the next 10 years and dominate. And if you look at that trade and say, wow, we got Spencer Dinwiddie out of it, that's really disappointing. And it's not really their fault that it worked out that way. So I, I feel for them a little bit in that aspect. Um, and I still think that they've done a pretty good job drafting and putting some of these fringe pieces around Luca, but Again, it's it's just not enough, and they they have to somehow figure it out. Otherwise, they're going to face a tough a tough question with Luca at some point where he's sped
1: up. I think that's a good way to cap it off. Um, Dylan, do you have any shows to promote, or I, you guys are done for a little while, right? Yeah, we
0: have a uh, New Year's Eve show in Newport, Kentucky, which is basically Cincinnati right across the river. It's a fun area if you haven't been there. I've been there a couple of times. It's a fun area. Cincinnati is a is a fun city, and the surrounding areas are too. And uh, that's at the Southgate House revival New Year's Eve. We'll be bringing in the the New Year there, so that'll be fun. Um, <clears throat> then we will be in Florida for a good three weeks of janu- uh of January. So got some got some fun stuff coming up, but. But after that, we're off for February. So February will be a good time for me to come back on this pod as trade deadline occurs.
1: I heard great American ballpark is lovely this time of year. Great American ballpark is where souls
0: go to die. <laughs> and Everywhere in Cincinnati, except there is a great place to go. All right. I had to do it. Um, I do. the Park the other day, by the way, up in Chicago. That was cool to see. I've seen it a few times, but it's always nice to check in, you know.
1: Oh, I gotta love it. Um make sure you check out Lin Sanity this week. Lin Sanity was great. Make sure you check out Circle City Cinema. I was on Circle City Cinema last week, Dylan, with um Zach Griffith. He also he put out two episodes last week. I was on No Country for Old Men. Mm. I wanted to do that movie I love that movie Um Anton Sugar one of my favorite movie villains of all time um, probably means I'm a psychopath but who knows you know maybe that's why I'm so good at this podcast but in all seriousness um make sure you check out Linsanity the NFL coverage is amazing um, that one guy whose name I won't mention because he says I own royalties and Bryce um <laughs> Rice is killing it on Lynn Sanity. And the other guy is doing great too. And Zach is doing great on Circle City Cinema. Dylan Hughes, once again, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you for having me. And before you cut me off, I do want to say, the reason I love this group is I was under the influence last night, okay? Not going to say of what, for legal reasons. Um, but I, you know, I haven't talked to Zach Griffith in a while. I'm like, I, I was watching Polar Express, I'm like, I got to send him a text about polar express. And I said, the scene where they go down that long present shoot that ends up in the massive bag next to the massive Christmas tree. I said, that's one of the most thrilling scenes in cinema history. And he shot back right quick that he agreed. And that felt really good. And he also told me that the annoying kid in that movie, uh, Someone at their school that they work at said Bryce looked like that kid. So if if you ever need any ammo on Bryce, there you go.
1: Well, you need ammo on him because you're playing him in the playoffs this week. (laughs) So, you know, I I don't want to jinx
0: myself, but every time I play Bryce, actually the two times I can remember playing Bryce, I played him last year when he got married. It was either the day before or the day of, I don't remember. I think it was Saturday he got married. Beat him, beat him then, which I felt bad about, but he got married. So I couldn't feel too bad. And then this year he had something important that happened to him too. And I beat him that week. So I hope he's got something going on important this week. So it'll help me beat him, but I, I may be SOL there.
1: Your, your heart's in the right place. I suppose. Um. <laughs> you, you can't win them all Bryce. Okay.
0: You got married. You're going to lose to me in football. Okay. Sorry.
1: Um <laughs> folks um JD will be hopefully back next week and I want to thank you all so much for listening.